Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley and... Chris. How's tricks, Ashley? Uh, fine. What's tricks? Fine. I'm fine. Is that what What's you're asking? That? Yeah, I just wanted to be a bit more, yeah, mix up a bit. You're mixing you? it up. You're asking me how my tricks are. Yes. How's your tricks? My tricks are good. They're Paul Daniels level of, levels of tricks. I'm pretty sure that tricks are inappropriate. I didn't think they were, but now we've dwelt on it, I do do feel... Turning tricks is a thing, isn't mm, it? It is, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. We're doing a game today. Are you surprised? Are we? Really? Yeah. Great. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. Is it going to be a good one, though? That's the question. Well, put it this way. We were very, very close to doing Power Rangers, the movie, the video game. And I pulled <laughs> right. out at the last minute, and we're doing this instead. Because I think it'll be better. <laughs> I can categorically say it will be better. Oh, we'll see. Shall I tell you what it is? Yes, please. So I'm not actually going to tell you what it is, but I'll tell you, I'll give you our spiel. This week's game is this game where you traverse a brightly coloured world full of cutesy characters who task you with taking a bunch of super sticky coloured bricks and putting them together to make specific patterns. You what? won't know what it is. No, I've not got a clue. I'm worrying a little bit that this is far too unknown for us to be talking about. It sounds niche. Right. Well, people should be talking about it, is what I think. Or they should have been talking about it way back when, when it came out. Because this is a game that has got real chops behind it, which we'll get into in a moment. The studio that made it was formed in 2000 in Scotland. I think it was Dundee. That might give you a clue as to what I'm going to say next. So I'm guessing it's linked to... DMA design or Rockstar in some way. Or yeah, more DMA design so, more than Rockstar. Yeah. So Rockstar, for anyone that doesn't know, Rockstar North was formed out of DMA design, who were the uh, creators of Lemmings, Great Grand Theft Auto, and so on. Four of the people that worked in DMA design left in 2000 to make a new studio, or in fact, two new studios in Dundee. One of them was this studio. The other one was Rage, which was founded by David Jones, who was also the founder and managing director of DMA Design. Okay. He also, at the same time as creating Rage, created this studio, the name of which is Denki. Denki. No ideas? Denki Blocks. Isn't that a thing? Or have I made that up? There we go. So that is the game that we're doing today. Denki Blocks. That's a a name I've dredged in the back of my memory. I I have no idea what a Denki Block is or what a Denki Block is. It's probably because I've talked to you about it before because Denki Blocks is the first game that was made by the studio Denki. The studio Denki was founded, as I said, in 2000 by four people from DMA Design. Those four people were Colin Anderson who was in charge of DMA's audio department, so he was the head of the audio department. Stuart Graham, who was head of DMA Design's design department, game design department. Aaron Pudzi, who was involved with research and development and was actually instrumental in creating the 3D game engines that were used for DMA Design games in the late 90s. So Glasscore and Space Station Silicon Valley. And the fourth person, the fourth founder of Denki, is David Jones, who is the the founder of DMA Design and the creator of Lemmings and so forth and and had a big old input into the original GTA. That was going to be my next question was, is there crossover with Lemmings? But you've answered that. Yeah, those four people, they left DMA Design because they could see what was coming. They knew that the industry was heading in a certain direction and it was about to get big in there. And they didn't want any part of that. So they left and made Denki. David Jones simultaneously made Rage. He also went on to create another studio whose name escapes me. I'll check in the halftime break. They made Crackdown for the Xbox. So Crackdown is a game that Denki 
the studio also helped create. So they were involved in like the ideation process and the formative processes of design and programming for right. Crackdown. Uh, but for the most part, they did their own thing and in a big way. So did you know Denki? Did you know the, the studio Denki before I brought it to you? So just to clarify, they had the choice of things were going to get big and they decided to get out and make a, a little studio. Yeah. And that's why I've brought this game to you because the story of Denki is interesting. You, I presume that you don't know Denki or no, don't know Denki in any Sorry. great shape or form. No. That's okay. They are one of the most prolific UK studios in existence right now. They've won multiple BAFTAs and been nominated for more. I think Denki Blocks was nominated for a BAFTA. They actually won the Scottish BAFTA for games last year with their latest game, Autonauts. Have you heard of that one? No, not at all. I, I feel uh, like I'm well, very behind the curve on, on I'm Denki very sorry. now. Well, I'm not sure because Denki, as I say, they, they dropped out of the big time to go and do their own thing and they've continued doing their own thing forevermore. Mm-hmm. They've put out more than 200 games. Jeez, since 2000? Yeah. <laughs> Was it 2007? Since 2000. Wow. Yeah. And at the height of their development schedule, at the fastest pace that they were going at, they were able to take a design document and turn it into a complete game within 10 weeks. That's insane. Yes. Now, there's a reason that they were able to do that and that they were doing that. And the reason is quite interesting. Are these these mobile games then, or presumably? Of a kind. Okay, so they were actually... So Denki Blocks, coming back to the game that we're talking about, Denki Blocks came out on the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance in 2001. And it was designed with those consoles in mind, but it wasn't where the game premiered. The game premiered on a service called Sky GameStar. Have you heard of Sky GameStar? Is this the thing where you use like your, your Sky Remote to play little yes. games? Oh, mate, there's a game. There was a game on that that me and my brother used to play because my gran had it. And uh, there was a game where you controlled a cat and you had to, there was this the garden, like a top down, it was like a top down puzzle. And you had to make the cat wee on different flowers to get rid of it. It was basically like a um, blockbusting type game, but the, the okay. mechanic was it was the cat weeing on them. And me and my brother used to call it Acid Piss Kitty. Do you remember what its name was? Because it almost no. certainly was made by Denki. Acid Piss Kitty, that's what we call it. That's what we still call it. <laughs> well, because it, it was a cat that was urinating on flowers and killing them. So it had to be Acid oh, Piss Kitty. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And there was another one that was like a, a um, Buster Move, I think. It's like a, a bee one, like a, a hive. That yes, re- I used to play that one. That was really good, that one was. Yeah, I don't remember what that was called but um i i did play that one my so overriding memory of called... those games is how long they took to load up and how unresponsive yeah. playing it with the yeah, skyrim we'll, was yeah we'll get to that a bit down the line so denki blocks premiered on that service on sky right. game Star a few months before it came out on the game boy calling game boy advance and off the back of that i bet i played it then possibly yeah off the back of that sky commissioned denki to make games for the Sky GameStar service. Wow, okay. They were extremely interested in doing that because, as I say, they these four guys, they dropped out of the big time just a year, I think, give or take, before the release of GTA 3. So they will have been okay. involved in the development of GTA 3. They'll have known what was coming. They'll have known what was going to happen off the back of that game, presumably, because, I mean, David Jones in particular is a, a veteran of the industry with DMA Design, and they chose this other route. And one of the reasons that they chose this other route was... Well, one of the reasons was because they weren't interested in that big time stuff. But one of the other reasons is because they thought they were basically making a bet that interactive television was going to be the next phase of game development. And that that would be where gaming went as opposed to 
being console based they were wrong <laughs> yeah I was, um, I was just gonna say they backed the wrong horse depending on how you look at it so if you're looking mm. at what where the success was they backed the wrong horse there but the reasons that they give for interactive television being a step ahead the reasons that they give for them are slightly technical and maybe a bit boring but i'll try and <laughs> i'll try and make it as concise as possible for for me that's not that easy case in point i'm not talking about it right now when i could be so uh <laughs> they were talking about the way that like the turnaround between them delivering a game and them knowing whether the game was a hit or not so uh, right. they could put a game out on the GameStar service on a Friday night and by Monday morning they would have very solid numbers on how many people have played it for how long and so on and they'd also have money in their pockets because Sky's payment service was based on micro payments so they would get payments based on the number of people that played on, on any given day so there right. was money regularly being banked for them by all accounts it took about five years for the console industry and actually to some extent the PC gaming industry to catch up with what was going on behind the scenes that was beneficial to them as developers. It yep. took those two parts of the industry about five years to catch up with that way of doing things. That was actually that technical reason, that behind the scenes reason was why they thought that the interactive TV portion of gaming was going to be where things boomed yeah, it makes sense i suppose yeah there is a certain amount of sense to it the reason that they believe it didn't go the way they thought it was going to go was hardware based because where you have constant push forward in the industry both on pc front and on the console front the interactive television industry they just weren't that focused on moving things forward and as you said you can remember those games primarily for loading very slowly yes and that never really changed at least as far as my experience of them was that was always the case unfortunately and and they believe that if things had moved a little bit quicker and improved a little bit quicker that actually interactive television would probably be a a much stronger industry than it is now if it even exists i don't even know anymore if it exists i think that's probably a fair claim and i was just wondering that thinking about the preview box we've got downstairs there's definitely no games on it or at least as far as i'm no. aware there aren't but and it was primarily in the uk it was primarily sky pushing that yeah, yeah. service it was when we got sky i think we moved from virgin media or whatever to sky and along with it came these uh games one of which i remember being uh, that b one that you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. they made hundreds of games as i said they were turning around games denki the company were turning around games within 10 weeks so they were putting out lots and lots of games every year i i've got a list here i won't count them up but there are a good number of games every year coming out to sky GameStar, and they're from big franchises as well the reason why they're so prolific is because the games had to be fairly small by the very nature because of it being a, a tv based thing rather than like a in inverted commas proper game to some extent yeah i i think that's possibly right the sort of experiences that we might have been getting through flash games on on mm. the internet around the same time but the franchises that we're working with are, are quite well very big there are the cartoon network cartoons like courage the cowardly dog tom and jerry scooby-doo what's his face dexter dexter's yep. laboratory all that sort of stuff they also built tetris for sky game star they built a what they called wallace and gromit game okay they built games on tato franchises t-a-i-t-o do you know tato well i i assumed you meant like a potato for a song i know you they built they built stuff around lego right hasbro games they built stuff for them. So it's a big franchise there that I'm assuming Sky Dreamworks kind of bought Eidos. in the the sort of and then passed the rights on to Denki. Yeah, I would I would imagine that's the the way that it worked. Yeah, it all started with Denki blocks. 
So that's the heritage and the future of this game. Right. Which I hope is as interesting as I thought it was. Yeah, no, it's interesting. The only thing just before we move on from the interactive games is I'm just thinking about the Skyrim mode itself. The games would have to be very much limited by the actual the controller you had was a Sky TV remote as far as I remember yeah. you only had the up down left and right arrows I don't think there were any buttons that were specifically assigned for any other roles because obviously then kind of if you're pressing buttons like numbers and so on it might then it would change the channel wouldn't it I don't know how they worked in that regard but what you're saying is correct they had to adapt the game design to the tools that you had as a player precisely um, and obviously which it was is- very it was a very unusual thing to be playing games with your remote control yeah it always felt quite clunky and again the, the point I'm getting at is that how they managed to turn around this game so quickly is because the game's would by their very nature have to be fairly simple I would assume. Yeah, when you say simple you've still got things like Buster Move and Pac-Man and Tetris. I mean they are yeah, simple I guess, I guess so. To a large extent but they're not simple in other ways so simple doesn't necessarily mean bad you know? Oh no, c- categorically not, no. Oh, the other thing to say, so Denki Blocks, they actually, they put it out on the Game Boy Colour, they put it out on the games, uh, Sky Game Star service and the Game Boy Advance and then a year later in 2002 they actually put it out on mobile platforms so right. two thousand. if you think 2000 2002 this is before we well a long while before we've got any kind of what you might call a smartphone and they were putting their games on mobile platforms which is typical frankly of what they have always been interested in so it seems to me in fact i've read it somewhere i can't it might have even been on their own website that they wanted to work where other people didn't Mm -hmm. so they found excitement in bringing their games to places that games didn't necessarily naturally exist, which ties into what you were saying about it being on a sky, playing games on a sky remote. That will have appealed to them because mm. that that is that isn't where games naturally live. <laughs> you know, later on they started to make games, and I'm talking about sort of in the last few years they started to make games for using HTML5. So bringing right. games over to HTML5. There's a platform that I've only heard of through this called Turbulence, spelled T-U-R-B-U-L-E-N-Z, which is apparently a platform that is entire a gaming platform entirely built on HTML5, and the games are built using HTML5. Never so, and Denki Blocks is actually on it. So I guess so, the point you're making is that they're quite forward-thinking. Yes, yeah, and that they... And they're not, they, they never rest on the laurels. It's always trying to keep ahead. It's not even trying to keep ahead, I don't think. It's that they like they like existing in that space where the environment is somewhat hostile to them. <laughs> so the idea of putting a game... You know all these Doom... <laughs> you, know, you know, like you find... We, we talked about when we, when we did Doom. You find Doom on calculators and so on. Yeah. People porting Doom to everything. That's, it feels, I think that's the sort of mentality that they have, that they, they like the challenge of bringing games to domains that games don't normally exist in. If it's there, let's try and make a game on for it. Yeah, exactly. Part and parcel of that probably is being on the cutting edge or the cusp of something. And yeah. sometimes they're on the cusp of nothing and sometimes they're on the cusp of something pretty big. Denki Blocks, though, uh, was where it all started. Just with Denki Blocks itself, what was the specific timeline of Denki Blocks going from Sky to Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color? So it went... Denki Blocks on Sky Game Star in August of 2001, and then it was released Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance simultaneously in October. So oh, the okay. the Game Star release was actually a like a showcase of the game for Sky customers. So it was basically a demo of the game. Yeah, which in itself again is quite an innovative it, thing because you, you didn't have demos on the Game Boy or the Game Boy Advance. No. So they were bringing a game to an audience that otherwise wouldn't have been able to try before they buy, which is an interesting way to use that Game Star service as well. And presumably 
if they had the full game up on Sky, it was relatively easy to transfer that onto the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance. But So this is the thing. So it was built for the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance ah, primarily. Right. Their interest... When they left DMA Design, their primary aim was to build games for the Advance system because they saw that as like a new horizon for casual games. They wanted to, part of what they didn't like about gaming and where it was heading was this idea of the hardcore gamer, the person that lives and breathes gaming and that thinks that gaming is the be all and end all of all entertainment media. The Game Boy Advance, they saw that as a potential gateway to usher in those what people would term casual gamers people who don't live and breathe games that's actually what happened wholesale with the wii they were anticipating what happened with the wii they were anticipating that to actually happen with the game boy advance i would also say in terms of handhelds the ds was that too the ds was bought by a lot of people who played you know crossword games and sudoku etc sure for definite so in some sense they knew where things were heading they were just one generation too early (laughs) yeah in that regard and by then they were well stuck into their sky game star development skateboard advance was quite well regarded wasn't it the game by advance is a fantastic console and there are hundreds and hundreds of really good games this being one of them for puzzle games i don't know if it has any other rival because the puzzle games on the Game Boy Advance were brilliant. And the things that they were doing with existing franchises on the Game Boy Advance were far more interesting than you'd find on the regular consoles. Mega Man is a franchise I remember very much enjoying on the Game Boy Advance, and the things that they were doing with it on there were were far more interesting, I think, than the mainline games. Mm -hmm. But that's another aside for me to go down and not talk about Denki Blocks. So Denki Blocks... What what are we on? Are we on like twenty minutes. It's fine. Well, it's interesting. Even more. So Denki Blocks, yeah. So, but I haven't told anyone what Denki Blocks is. I've told yeah, them that, about that has, about the people that, that made it. So Denki Blocks is a puzzle game, and I did our little spiel, and I did tell you that it was a game about sticking blocks together, and that it's set in this cutesy world. The game itself is so saccharine in its presentation that it's somewhat of a turnoff, and I remember being. Uh, what would I have been in 2001? 13? Was I 13? I was 13 when this game came out and the way that it's presented I remember it turning me off but I had quite a high tolerance in the privacy of my own home for for that kind of thing anyway so I pushed through and was very happy that I did. I, I'd like to say that I didn't judge books by their cover but I unfortunately did quite often and the, the judgement on this would have made me if I'd had to tell other people that I had played it then I probably wouldn't have played it. I think that guy's being a 13 or really it's that self-consciousness yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. felt bad about that so are your memories of this game tied up to playing it on Sky then no no I didn't play it on Sky I didn't even know it existed on Sky until now my memories are playing it on the Game Boy Advance I had it on the Game Boy Advance right and that's the version that we're going to play this evening the Game Boy Advance version it's it's a really colourful game but the core of the game the actual game itself is this you, you get a little box or a little arena and in that arena each level you'll be given a number of blocks that have been separated that have been pulled apart you have to bring them together and you can do that in whatever way you like you just have to use the direction buttons to push them to the left right up or down as soon as they touch each other they attach like sticky blocks <laughs> they turn into one single piece like and then that jelly. piece moves yeah that's a good way of thinking about it that piece then moves as one single unit and you just do that until all of the blocks of one color stick together some levels there will be three different colors of block some levels there'll be one color some levels will have single units unit blocks others will be already populated with different strangely shaped blocks of varying sizes and your job is to navigate around and get them all to sit together however there are three criteria 
that the game measures you on that you can succeed in. And those three criteria are time. You can go for the fastest time, yep. number of moves, or a bonus was what it was called, where it gave you a specific shape it wanted you to make, maybe a plus shape, like a, mm -hmm. a cross. And you had to get the, as long as you got the blocks to make match that shape, you got extra bonus points. Right. And you could choose whichever of the three criteria you wanted to tackle at any one time. So if you were up for like really puzzling a, a level out, you might go for that bonus shape goal. If you were up for something a bit faster, then you might go for the time goal and so on. So you couldn't go for all three at once. You couldn't go for a oh, you, you limited could. moves yeah, sure. in a certain amount of time. You can't, right, okay. You could. It wasn't always possible. Yeah. So if you wanted to get the bonus shape, you might not be able to get the minimum moves possible. Yeah, it makes sense. The other thing is the world, your aim is to beat the master of Denki blocks. But in order to get to him, sort of Pokemon style, you had to go through the seven best Denki block players on the island that you're on. And each Denki block player would task you with 25 levels. So there are quite a few levels, but you only had to actually complete 15. So you could pick and mix. So if you if you found that one level was a bit too hard for you, then you could skip that one, leave it and go and complete a different one. That's quite good. You could also do them in whatever order that you liked. So you didn't have to start with level one on the first master. You could start with level 25 on the first master if you like and go in whatever order you want and pick and mix in that way. So I'm thinking puzzle games are usually very linear. And mm. last week we talked about Monkey Island having that open structure at the start and this sounds like it's quite similar that it's like there you go off you go do what you want in whatever order I think for a puzzle yeah. game that's quite unique to some extent yeah it is stratified so you do have to beat the first uh, right, okay. master first so you, you get given 25 levels and out of those 25 levels in order to progress to the next master you have to complete 15 of the 25 but right. you can choose whichever 15 you want to complete and you can leave whichever ones you want as well if you want or you can go and do 20 all 25 it's really up to you but even that I think is quite progressive even games I do you know, 2021 yeah. I don't think would do that often and it ties into that thing that I was talking about the fact that they saw the Game Boy Advance as a way to usher in new players and players mm. that weren't necessarily as, as fixated on what the burgeoning drive seemed to be so gaming was at that time if you remember in the playground gaming was turning into a bit of a like a laddish thing I think back then it was you, you had your, your PlayStation 2 and it, it was the start of the Xbox fanboys and all that that's my kind of memory of that time yeah exactly and games had to be realistic or as realistic yeah. as they could come then and people were a bit sour on Mario because it had colourful bright it exactly. had bright colours and playful sound effects and things I remember the GameCube being lambasted for how quote unquote girly it looked and yeah. the, the fact the fact it had a handle sort of like a handbag I remember reading a game magazine and that being a, a thing in it and yeah exactly I find it extremely interesting that for the people that would have been instrumental in actually bringing this about with the creation of GTA GTA 2 and the upcoming GTA 3 these four people saw all of that coming and said no I don't want <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that and then yeah, and then the direction that they took was to go back to this and, and to put out something that actually was welcoming to children to such extent that a 13 year old boy looked at it and was kind of put off by it but equally if that 13 year old boy was able to get past the barrier of aesthetics would find something deeply engrossing hmm. they made a game that is on the surface for children but underneath for everybody i think successful games do that don't they the ones that could be summed up simply or the ones that can be played by anyone but to truly master them you've got to have real skills like you know pac-man mm. getting the, the high score on that by not dying 
in any level and picking up every pixel or whatever it is and you know, getting a getting a true to high score on Tetris you've got to have real mad skills that I certainly don't have. Yeah. Thank you blocks unfortunately was not very popular. It didn't ah, sell that well in the right. first instance. And actually their follow-up to that on the Game Boy Advance and possibly one of the reasons that they ended up going so heavy on Sky GameStar and its dependable income. Their follow-up was called Go Go Beckham, which was right. a game based on David Beckham. Its full name was Go Go Beckham Adventure on Soccer Island. And it's like a platformer, you know, like Kid Cleats where you've got the football yeah. to kick ahead of you based around David Beckham. Hmm. And apparently it's very, very good. Genuinely, it's supposed to be a brilliant game. But again, it didn't sell as well as they were hoping. Did this come out quite early in the game of Boy Advance's life? That's a good question that I wish I'd researched. I don't remember exactly when the Game Boy Advance came out, but I think no, it was around about either. this time. I think it was probably around 2000, 2001. I'm just trying to think of a, a reason why it wouldn't have sold very well, and that would possibly be one if maybe there simply wasn't. I've just had a quick search then, and the Game Boy Advance actually did come out in early March around the world. Sorry, early 2001, around March time in around the world. So yes, maybe. Maybe it was to do with the low in- lower install base. Yeah. But I could just as easily see it being down to what we were talking about, the fact that games and gamers were starting to think of themselves as mature, even though they were 13. <laughs> and their idea of what mature meant was actually an adolescent yeah. idea of what yeah. maturity was. To see a game like Denki Blocks, I can imagine quite a lot of people as I tried to explain, I nearly fell prey to turning their nose up at it because of the way it looked and mm. the implied intended audience as a result of yeah. the way it looked. Should we have a go at Denki Blocks and then we can yes, talk please. about what we think? Yes. So that was Denki Blocks. Christopher, how do you like them blocks? I was going to say apples, but it doesn't make yeah. sense. No, you managed to rescue yourself just in time. I don't know, actually. I might have said brocks, so I'll find out in the edit. <laughs> It'll come out of the wash. Yeah, I like them blocks a lot. It's great, isn't it? It's another classic game where the concept is really simple and it's easy to get to grips with what it is. And then they sort of do quite clever things with it. I think the phrase that you're sort of scrabbling around for is easy to learn, difficult to master. Yep. That sort of thing. So Tetris is the quintessential puzzle game that's easy to learn, but difficult to master. And this is another one. You can't call it a genre, I guess, but for that arena. And I totally agree. The early levels, the first, so the levels are blocked into level uh, uh, sets of 25 of which you have to do 15 to progress the early levels some of them are quite simple and i think deceptively so you quickly within the first 15 levels i i think you quickly find yourself being wrong stepped in so much as you probably got into a comfortable groove thinking oh i can just this is easy i can do this nice and simply and then all of a sudden you're being tasked with something that is rather a lot more or rather a lot less straightforward than than those things and and it really does up the ante the further you into the game you get yeah. the difficulty really does ramp up i ended up getting onto the third set of 25 levels so probably about 50 levels in and there were multiple levels that i had to try and try and try again over and over again before i actually got the solution 
Whereas there were levels I started and gave up on because after multiple restarts, I still couldn't do them. And that was only in the second set of, of levels I was having that difficulty already. So again, I think the structure of the game, the fact that you could then choose. So there was one in particular I really could not do. So I just left it and went to try a different level. I think that structure yeah. is absolutely brilliant. So the game is hard on you, but also at the same time, very forgiving. Yeah. Because it presents you with some quite devilish challenges. And yet it also goes, but don't worry if if you're not up to that just yet go and find something else to have a go at yeah yeah i think that that is commendable i think just as a game design choice anyway i think that is a a, the right way to go with games present the challenge give alternatives if that challenge right now is a bit too much letting players find their way through a game is a good idea a lot of the time anyway they can set their own difficulty with denki blocks you can set your own difficulty on a case-by-case basis and even on like a session-by-session basis if you're playing it on tuesday you just can't be asked because you've had a long day at work or school or whatever you can just pick and choose the ones that you want to play and therefore make it easier on yourself and then by wednesday you might have changed your mind your mood in your mind and you might want a bit more of a challenge and a denki blocks will cater to you in both sets of circumstances which is a smart move on their part on the developer's part and then the challenges within levels as well just taking that point further the fact you had the time part the moves yep. part and then that bonus shape the bonus shape wasn't available for every level but there were quite a few that you and i looked at where the bonus shape was presented and we could not hard as nails at all how to make yeah. these denki blocks stick together in that way exactly and that's in the first that was in the first 25 levels so yeah. the introductory levels some of those bonus shapes that you were tasked with making you just the mind boggles at how some of them could have been done and that is the beauty of this game because you've got right from the off you've got massive challenges mm. alongside quite straightforward soothing puzzling and that the mix that it manages to continue all the way through to the end there was part of me that wondered whether i was going to like this game as much coming back to it as i did then and it's just won me over very very quickly once more i totally understand why 13 year old me was hooked on it for well it must have been a couple of weeks i was playing this (laughs) game just solid and it was a case of as well i might have had well i certainly had an n64 with perfect dark and and GoldenEye and plenty of like real top-notch games on there and I was coming in from school and this is what I was choosing to do this is what I was choosing to play so while it is a game you play as a 13 year old I can see how you might have felt conscious playing it as a teenager yeah exactly so the third set of levels is with Princess Honeycakes or something like that who is a cat princess and she lives in a a pink castle on top of some fluffy clouds or something like that and the the motif for those sets of levels is pink hearts in the yeah. in the boxes and stuff i wasn't a very well adjusted teenager you know i wasn't the sort of young man who could openly talk about playing a game like that it, it was also a, it's a very aged game in so much as that game is clearly designed with children in mind which boggles yeah. my mind again coming back to the difficulty of it like the difficulty on that game compared to the clear target audience based on its visuals they just don't match no. up in my head i kept saying to you when we were playing this game comes from a group of people who were involved in the creation of GTA that were instrumental redirecting or certainly directing the 
course of the course of computer games for the foreseeable future computer games wanted to be seen as a medium for mature people adults but in reality i think that they got stuck for a long time if they're not stuck now and i i think there is a case to say that they are stuck here they got stuck in an adolescent mindset where for the most part everything was tailored to a 13 year old boy and and his or their or that group's idea of what it meant to be an adult to be a man for david jones et al for those four people to come out of dma off the back of and knowing ahead of time what was coming in the form of gta 3 to come out of that studio and that environment and to create Denki blocks and everything else that they've created after that to me it screams a very high volume of sort of rejection <laughs> you know rejection of of the direction of, yeah. of the industry and where certainly Rockstar or, D- or DMA were going. At the same time, I know that David Jones's other company, who I forgot to check their name of, created Crackdown. So it's not as clear cut as as that. But to come out of a studio making GTA and to create Denki Blocks takes a certain a certain courage. I, I don't think. think it's commendable how, as a game, is presented so obviously aimed at children. Like, as we said, the difficulty does not match that. Mm. But the design of it, I think, I agree with what you're saying, that it would not have sat in with the games generally, with what games were being released at that time. Even in the realms of Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy had traditionally been a, a more kid-friendly yeah. medium, yet you still had this drive this urge in the industry to move it in a more mature direction there was a big hoo-ha in 2009 when Chinatown Wars Grand Theft Auto game came out on the DS because it was the first 18 rated game that came out for a Nintendo handheld or something like that yeah I think and that was was in 2009 over 20 years of Nintendo handhelds coming out yeah exactly so this argument about what is a kids game and what's not is one that I've had and one that I've thought about on a number of occasions with a number of people my view is and the the thing that I've always tried to say to people is not to judge a book by its cover despite what 13 year old me was doing to his credit he played this game you know I think a lot of people would have turned this off when they booted it up and saw the aesthetic they would have turned it off and they would have missed out on a, a really meaty really chunky puzzle game as a result but it is an argument that I've had with a number of people the fact that certain things equate in a lot of people's minds to childishness and for children so bright colours colours that are nice to look at the not browns the not greys they are for kids for some stupid reason and simple ideas as well for kids if it if it's a straightforward concept it's for kids and that's just bullshit and if it's for kids it's not to not to be seen on the same level yes exactly so it's less than and that's a stupid way of thinking so those two things really you sh- a lot of people are shooting themselves in the foot with that kind of thinking because to say this is designed with kids in mind therefore it is not for adults and yeah. not for me is a nonsense because there's a hell of a lot of excellent stuff that is primarily for children but that actually has some really great ideas mm-hmm. in it case in point is Denki Blocks and then the idea that things are less than some of the best films that i've watched in the last probably well in my lifetime some of the most affecting films the the ones that have really grabbed me by the heart have been children's films so i know you aren't a massive fan but coco grabbed me by the tear ducts and rinsed me dry equally the first 10 minutes of up you know i i kind of watched that without welling up and significant sections of wally as well like they're really 
get me. There's this idea, I think, among a lot of adults that being an adult means doing away with childish things, putting away the toys. I think that you are losing... For one, I don't believe anyone really does that. You have to... Your formative years are as a child. You become who you are as an adult when you are a child. For the most part, a lot of what you are as an adult is probably set by the time you're 10, if not earlier. So to say that you will no longer partake of being a child is basically, in my view, it's saying that you will reject you will suppress quite a large portion of who you act what actually makes you you so yeah i mean this is probably <laughs> this is probably not a conversation that we should be having on our podcast because it's about games let's just focus you've mentioned toys toy box denki's slogan is what was it i actually think it's more than a slogan so mm. they they don't actually call themselves a game studio they call themselves uh, they call themselves a digital toy workshop which I think is very apt given what they've what they've made Completely. the things that they've put out. So a lot of the GameStar stuff, the stuff, the Sky GameStar stuff was based around children's franchises like Scooby Doo, like the cartoon cartoons on Cartoon Network. Yep. So all of that makes a lot of sense. Then they've had this game, Denki Blocks. They've made a game called Save the Day, which is all about piloting a toy helicopter. Their most recent game is called Autonauts, and actually that is I think I mentioned it in the first half. That's the game that won the Scottish BAFTA for the game category in... Uh, 2020. Autonauts, by the way, feels like it takes cues from places like Animal Crossing and places like Minecraft because it's got that crafting element that they both share. But then it's also got laid on top of that, this um, automation system where you can build robots out of the craft resources that you create. You can build these robots and then you can actually program them with actual programming syntax to fulfill the jobs that get you those resources. So whereas on Animal Crossing, you keep having to run around and collect your wood and collect your stone to make your tools in autonauts you can once you've got the core set of things to build these robots you can set them to those tasks and you can move on to bigger and better things from the look of it i've only played it for a a couple of hours early today actually from the look of it you go from having nothing to being able to automate these robots hundreds of them to build your own little town out of the resources on this island that sounds really good and i like the the fact it's using program because that's such a a key thing uh, in primary schools i believe yeah, that's what I was going to say. I believe that it won some kind of education innovation award right. a couple of years ago as well. When it was when it was um, just when they were just starting up with it. Well, it seems like a lot of people remember Beehive Bedlam fondly from Sky Games, yeah. Uh, which yeah, I agree with. And the I looked during the halftime bit. You were pleased to know that Acid Piss Kitty uh, actually is not called that. It's called Wee Wee Kitty, which is about as bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have a look on YouTube. That wasn't if, one of theirs, if you want though, to was look, it? Look at Wee 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 Kitty. Wee Kitty it, wasn't it has one to of be theirs. seen to be believed. But no, it wasn't a stinky game, but it was still a, a Sky game regardless. Mm. Mm. You you actually found out how many people were playing those games on Sky GameStar, which to me was quite a shock. How many was it, did you say? The statistics I was looking at, it said that 5.5 million households were regularly using their Sky GameStar accounts to log in and play these games. And yeah. I found a YouTube video that, that showed there were a lot of adverts, a lot more than I remembered it there being. Obviously, as I said, the games took a long time to load. So for Sky, that seemed to be prime opportunity to get some adverts in there. But even so, 5.5 million, that's a lot of people. And then you get those adverts, I'm assuming that's where the revenue came to pay for Denki to produce these games. Certainly in my experience, they weren't that invasive, the adverts. So obviously they became up at the beginning of the game while it was yeah, loading. Exactly. But they, it's not like mobile platforms now where you've often got adverts inserted between levels or, or to progress in the game and so on. No, it's nothing like that at all. So yeah, millions of people 
people play in these games. And actually, one of those drums that I've banged fairly recently in the form of Flash games disappearing wholesale from the internet, this is a whole set of games that in 2015 just disappeared because Sky closed the GameStar service. For Denki, I mean, if you think for the majority of Denki's life, they've been creating these games. There are more; she, they've made more than two hundred games, mm. and ninety-nine percent of them were for this Sky Game Star service, and they're gone. Presumably, hopefully, Denki have got copies of them, and they will at some point enter some kind of archiving system. So, I mentioned the National Game Museum. Yeah. I think this is the perfect example of where the game museum should or could step in and help preserve things for future generations because as you said there are five million people with potentially fond memories of playing game star games of what i can see from my, my research a lot of people remember these games extremely fondly so i think that if there were to be some sort of archiving of these games i think it would be met i mean not a massive acclaim but certainly it's going to please a few people i think it's hugely important because uh, one we don't know where Denki are going we don't know where they're heading we don't know what they're going to do in the future but two if you think of these people's role in the industry already so far they've been instrumental in some of in the in the existence of some of the biggest franchises moving the industry right now like gta 5 is a hundred million dollar game just to make never mind market and a billion dollar game in terms of what it brings in that is a huge portion part of the market and these people were involved in in creating that 50 years from now academic Academics, whether you believe it or not, academics will be studying the early days of this industry in the same way that we were studying and continue to study the early days of cinema. One of the things that academics of cinema rail against and and leaves of quite a sad taste in the mouth is the mm. I, is the fact that we've lost just so much of the material so much of the really interesting stuff that was made in the burgeoning few decades the first 30 years if not 40 of cinema there's lots and lots of stuff gone that we would have wished to have our hands on now perfect example is the film metropolis which was actually it was made relatively late on in the well very late on in fact in the silent era and it's only very recently that we've ended up with a very near complete version because it was so poorly received when it initially was shown to audiences it was so poorly received that a lot of copies got burnt and they also recut the entire film and took out about an hour's worth of the film only to make it worse (laughs) than it was what they got burnt out, out, out of anger well a lot of copies were just burnt because they weren't needed because people didn't want to watch it and now it's regarded as one of the absolute classics one of the bedrocks of cinema and it's a really really important film a really important touchstone for people making film a huge an important and influential film in lots of ways beyond its impact on cinema We've got games like that. We've got figures like that in the games industry whose histories are going to be untellable because we have lost the things that make up their career. And this is a perfect example. 200 games out of David Jones's career. Gone. Locker. Just gone. What do we do with that in 50 years? I don't know. It's a really important thing. <laughs> well, there you go. I didn't think when we started an episode on Denki Blocks, we'd end up talking about Metropolis. That's quite a, a curveball. Sorry. <laughs> it's the way it goes. I mean, it's it really is the way it goes. Thankfully, Denki Blocks has been saved. Not the Sky GameStar version, though. Hopefully, there will be some kind of retrieval process for the GameStar games. There has actually, I don't know if I told you, there's been a, there has been an ongoing effort to save a lot of the Flash stuff. Right. Good that's been happening behind the scenes and will continue to happen probably people should play Denki Blocks I am sure you agree yes completely where can people play it then 
nowadays. Right. Okay, so one place that you can play Danky Blocks, a thing called Turbulence. I think I mentioned it in the first half. Yes, you so did. So yeah. I forgot about this, actually. They remade the game to work on this platform called Turbulence, which is an HTML5-based gaming platform. And you can, from the look of it, this is the first that I've actually found anything related to it because I'm very good at my research. <laughs> You can add Denki Blocks to Chrome as a browser extension. That's pretty cool. So is that official? You know, Denki have made that, and they've now made it as, yes. a, and as an extension for Chrome. I mean, that's going back to what we said in the first half that they're kind of finding alternative marketplaces in inverted commas to put these games into. That's that's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. So this is going to be much better than your um, than your running dinosaur on Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> you're your endless runner on Chrome. This you can play this. It's also playable offline, so you don't even need to have oh, a great an internet connection. For the record, I find that dinosaur runner game quite dull. Oh, I do as well. I'd much rather play Danky Blocks. Danky Blocks is available on the PlayStation Three. Oh, for as long as the PlayStation Store is up, you can buy it on there. You can buy it on the PSP if you still have your PSP. You can get it on Google. Play Store, which I wasn't aware of. There's Denki Blocks Deluxe, which is available there. It's nine out of ten uh, from Eurogamer. It's a, and it's available as a, as an extension on Google Chrome, which should have been expected, knowing what they they like to do and where they like to stick their games. Three fifty nine on the uh, Google Play Store. Is it really? Pretty good. I don't know if it's the so because I didn't know it existed. I don't know if that is the original version with the no it's it's a, a different uh publisher yeah right okay so from the look of it it looks like they've taken the levels yeah and they've removed them from the context of it's you're going against the fairies now and so on yeah it looks like that to me as well so it's like a remastered version but stripped back as well okay but it's there it's there so you can you can experience the game i'll tell you what i hope does end up being archived Ashley what this podcast this podcast is already archived I've got it archived (laughs) for posterity but until that happens we are available uh, wherever you get your podcasts from we you can also contact us on YouTube Facebook Twitter and the other one Instagram that's that one Instagram yeah yeah, I'm going to leave the archive of this game where to my my closest living relative on my death right the lucky sods (laughs) for them to tend after you yeah passed on by i'll make when we're done with it when we're finished when we've completed this game where yeah. i'll make you a usb so that you can do the same okay great i'll uh i'll look forward to that <laughs> passing I'm the mantle sure your daughter will as well <laughs> brilliant on right. your deathbed just handing it over <laughs> that'd be great i hope i'm there <laughs> what? next to my deathbed yeah to see to see the passing of the this game where baton Putting the putting the pillow in my mouth. Yeah, that might be how it goes actually. Yeah. Alright. Thanks for Bye. listening. Bye. <laughs>